0: Today, I'm talking with my guest, Bob Dietrich, who will share his main takeaways after conducting 30 interviews with national ADHD experts like Edward Halwell, Russell Barkley, and even myself. These interviews, otherwise known as the ADHD Toolbox video series, are packed with parenting tools and strategies, as well as free little giveaways from each expert. You're listening to Finding Your Brilliance, Episode 4. I'm your host, Katherine Quee. Hi, Bob.
1: Hi, Katherine. How are you?
0: I'm great. I'm super excited to talk with you today. Can you tell us one of your main takeaways from the interviews, Bob?
1: What I realized in with ADHD, and this is this is probably the most heartwarming takeaway of, of everything, was that was that there um, there's a good side to ADHD. In fact, the upside is much better than the downside. It's much bigger than the downside. And people don't realize that. And they don't talk about it. They, they talk about it like a, the ADHD disease, like one of the D's is for disease, right? Um, and it's not. It's, ADHD is something that when you can get past the challenges of it, you've, you've got something that a, a neurotypical person will never be able to achieve right and it's and they call it a superpower because it kind of is it's kind of like like you have the ability to think and create in ways that nobody else can um you know it's like the um i was i went and saw the movie um uh the current war and that the current war is with thomas edison and westinghouse and tesla and how that there was this race to you know spread electricity throughout the country and um, Thomas Edison is famous for having ADHD, right? One that's one of the things that, that make, made him persistent. He was like, and they, in the movie, it's kind of like, I'm looking for it now because, you know, for references to his ADHD, they don't actually say it, but they're saying his mind never stops. It just goes and goes and goes. And his, and his wife's like, yeah, I can't, you know, yeah, I'm the, I'm the person that manages him. Right. (laughs) And she's basically saying I manage his ADHD so he can be brilliant. And, um, uh, and he also, um, you know, somebody else was saying he finds the needle in the haystack. Mm. He has the persistence to do it. He, zoned, he focuses on a project and he won't stop until he gets it. And that's why he tried over th- a thousand different um, tests on the light bulb before he invented it or, or before it you know, became the one that, that worked. It is a superpower that is in there if you can get to it. And it's it's getting to it. It's you keep them away from the drugs and alcohol, and keep them away from self-destructive behaviors until they can and manage that part of it. Until uh-huh. so you can pull out that brilliant part. Your son is an awesome example of that, and your and your book kind of outlines that whole process, right? You've got this brilliant musician in there who has a passion for this stuff, and he's able to express it because somehow he was able to manage his. Um, ADHD younger so he didn't go down the wrong roads and he's in and now he's now he's living kind of this brilliant part of himself
0: you know I would say that he takes more risks than I would like at times as a parent and he has and So I guess that's another part I feel is important for people to know. And, And I agree with you. He has that part of that brilliance that's really cool. And we've managed a lot with him too, that we continue to kind of talk through a lot of things like, okay, so A, B, or C happened, let's figure that out. I mean, he keeps us on our toes a lot. And I think that's okay, because we're close and we keep talking through whatever goes on, um, to maintain his privacy. I don't share everything about him. Right. But I think that he, he keeps us on our toes and he's so straight up with us. Once we really get to what's happening, that that's another big part of, I think that what I want parents to know, even if your kid goes down a path, that's scary or does it's, it doesn't mean, That that will be this ongoing problem. It it just means you have to try to stay calm and work through whatever it is. All of these people, Howie 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 Mandel, all these people that are out there that we're learning have ADHD. So I think
1: those are just the people that admit to it, right?
0: (laughs) You're right. You're right. You're right.
1: So a few other aha moments that I had that I thought were important to share in this in this process. One of them was that most of the, doc- there seemed to be a divide and most of the doctors kind of cited on medication. It was like, medication is one way, is the way to handle ADHD. If you have ADHD and you're not on medication, you're not doing it right. And that was kind of the, the doctor perspective. Although there was often a caveat that if you found another way that worked for you, I'm all about it, right? I'll support you in that. But it was always a rush to medic medicine. On the other side of the coin, we had the you know the brain development neurodevelopment, um, nutrition aspects the people that were non medical solutions and and the coaches and though and the, the coaches were kind of split, but the non medicine non medical um, practitioners were always like, "Try this first and it made sense why because if you if you're on medication and you try a natural solution how do you know which one's working yeah. how do you know which one is, cause, is is creating the result and do you need that much medicine do you need any medicine if the other ones are working <clears throat> and the answer is everyone's different and who knows until you try it and so uh, so i surmised that that based on all these different 34 interviews that the best strategy was to try the non medical solutions first see if they worked or how well they worked.
0: that's and, what i recommend
1: right, right, and and if they worked then then hey, problem solved and, and and you're you're in a whole different stratosphere. If they didn't work or they didn't work as well, maybe you just don't need as much medicine, yeah. right maybe or maybe you do, maybe you do. I mean, like Dwayne uh, Gordon from ADDA, uh, who became president of ADDA, he, he he shared his story on the interview saying how. Uh, he he was a mess. Um, he was making poor decisions for his family. He was putting them in jeopardy. He got on medicine, turned, turned things around, and now he's president of ADDA, the biggest org- You know, one of the biggest organizations for ADD certainly adult ADD in the country. So um, that was one big aha. So, so there was a divide between medicine and and non medicine, and, and um, you know, not taking medicine. Uh, they're doing the natural solutions first. So you get a good baseline. Don't lose your baseline by taking medicine first. Um, that was one takeaway. The other takeaways were that there, there were tons of solutions out there um, uh, and we don't know them all. Uh, for example, with neural feedback, there, there are like seven or eight different types of neural feedback. The one I had from Siegfried was uh, he was one of the founders in early, in the early days of neural feedback, but they've, Improved since then, and there are other types of neural feedback um, apparently that are out there that are more effective and faster. And in fact, we did inter- interview someone who's got one of the cutting-edge ones, which is Barry Bruder, and he's got the um, the microcurrent neural feedback. So that was fascinating. That 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 was a big billion-dollar study where they they've been testing it on PTSD patients and and you know PTSD and ADD. Uh, ADHD have similar types of challenges, right? Um, and so, this so the the results in in using both of these things for both types of uh, mental health issues are are um, similar, right? So you get similar results uh, from that you do from PTSD. So this huge study that they did on PTSD is also very good for ADHD. They found uh, so those those were some of the bigger takeaways that I found that were like uh, remarkable. I found that. The doctors don't know everything and that the community is big. They're, everybody's looking for the same thing. Um, I've also found that there are certain market segments that are more susceptible to ADHD. For example, um, impoverished families generally have a higher rate of ADHD. English-speaking families have a higher rate of ADHD, uh, and, and I don't know exactly you know where that comes from, uh, but th- those were some of the stats that I found that were that we're striking, uh, boys are more likely to have ADHD than, than girls are. It just, you know, it shows up different. But uh, in girls, but uh, boys are more likely to have ADHD. So those are some uh, some important factors. And and then finally, um, adults are generally in denial. We talked about this, and adults generally find out they have ADHD when their child is diagnosed with ADHD.
0: Yeah, say a little more. Sorry to interrupt you, but that's awesome that you just said that.
1: Yeah, I was talking to uh, again, Dwayne Gordon of ADDA, ADA, and he was saying that most of the people that come into ADA um, are adults that found out they have ADHD because their child was acting up. They went in, they got diagnosed, and uh, their child got diagnosed, and then the parent gets diagnosed. And the parent didn't know they had, they just thought, this was how life was. Once the parent found out they had it, and once they found out it's genetic, and once they found out you know there are solutions, then the parent you know can often find solutions. And Ada is a great resource for that. They they have all sorts of different things that you can find to help to help you you know get to that, and get past the struggles of ADHD, and have more of the brilliant part of you come out.
0: Yeah, I've had some really touching sessions with with fathers in particular who've been very nervous at first about coming in and even talking to me they've i've had to spend a lot of time to get them warmed up to me because they're concerned i'm going to throw a medication at their child right away and they've often had bad experiences with authority figures and so it's funny for me that they put me in that category but often it'll be a kind of a rougher on the edges kind of guy who's like, yeah, you know, we're required to come do this because my kid is expelled. And you know, I was a terrible kid too, basically. And so by the end of the time that the testing is over, they're often in tears talking about their experience and how they couldn't read or or focus. And they, school was awful for them. So I see what you're saying. And then basically they'll be telling me what you've discerned from all these interviews, but it is extremely touching to gain that trust and to say medicine isn't the only, you know, now we have the diagnosis where we'll be careful around medicine. It it is a big deal to start that and we want to make sure you feel comfortable. And like Dr. Hallwell says, if you're not comfortable with the medication, if you're gonna, your, your child is not gonna do well if you feel horrible about it yourself. So he really made it clear. I've, I've been listening to him do other talks, and I think he's one of the doctors who's pretty um, unique. And that he doesn't feel medication has to be part of the treatment plan always.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. And and some of the some of the mothers that we talked to, certainly you're one of them, have shown that when they change, their child changes. We were talking to Susie O'Hare, and Susie was. Uh, she's from Australia, and what she noticed is that uh, somebody suggested that maybe you, you need to focus on yourself instead of focusing on changing your child. And she focused on herself, and she made some significant changes, and um, and her child completely transformed. And that's when I realized that, you know, if if you are sad as a parent – or struggling or upset or depressed, you're probably going to see that behavior in your child too, even though you've never talked to them about it and and that was that was kind of one uh, another big takeaway was that there's this mirroring effect that occurs and you know if you never heard of mirroring neurons, you should look them up because it kind of talks about how that effect happens in the brain and what part of the brain's activated by by watching people and then and then behaving like they do and certainly child a mother father you know, son-daughter relationship is a, is an example of that. And it's very powerful.
0: Yeah. Everybody listening should look up information about marrying neurons. Cause it's, it's, it, I agree with you. It, there's a lot of interesting information there. Mm-hmm. So we could go on and on. I am going to, this has been so great talking to you and, um, thank you so much for joining me. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me on your show. My guest today was Bob Dietrich, the host of the ADHD Toolbox video series. Thanks for listening to Finding Your Brilliance. I'm your host, Katherine Quee. And until we meet again, just remember that we each have our own brilliance. Sometimes it just takes a while to find it.